Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 1. I'm going to hand this to you, Ben. Luke chapter 1, we're going to read in the 26th verse. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth is in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Baby grass, dead weeds, my family, my job, my new Roomba, and my dog. This is a ranked order of things that I love. And, and yes, at the very top of that list is baby grass. I have gotten in the habit and the custom of every fall, I go out and I aerate my lawn and I reseed it. And then I wait patiently for that next two weeks before those, those sprigs start popping up. And there is nothing in the world that makes me happier than seeing that new life. Consequently, you know, and consequently in the, uh, in the spring, I go out and I spread toxic chemicals out in the, the world that pollute the streams and destroy everything, but it kills the weeds and it makes me happy. And so there is this convoluted mess in my ranked order of love of things that, that make me happy. Now, before I matured into this hierarchy, I used to talk about love being a, a circle. It consisted at that time of my wife, my daughter, my mother, and a, and a previous dog. And then along came my son, and the dog got pushed out of the circle. One day I was explaining this to my mother, and, and I, I happened to mention that, unfortunately, if we were to have another child, she would be the next one to get pushed out of the circle of love. I often wonder how much we start to think of love as a limited quantity, a commodity like oil in the ground. There is a cost involved in extracting love, and once it's gone, it's gone. But maybe love isn't so much a, a limited quality, commodity like, 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 like oil. Maybe it's an artificial commodity, so, something like, like diamonds. 
you know, diamonds are one of the most common uh, gemstones in all of the world, far more uh, rare and actually digging them up than, than emeralds or rubies. But you see, there's this company in London called De Beers that, that has a, 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 a monopoly on the mines and, and they very much limit production. That, with some clever marketing for the last few decades, has convinced us all that, that you have to have a diamond and that they are very precious. What I'm saying is that a London-based diamond mining company is, the, is at fault for, for me threatening to push my mother out of my circle of love, which in hindsight isn't the, the nicest thing to say to your mother. The, the love of a good mother is a wonderful thing. It's, it's something that's not universally known. But it's still so cherished and hallowed in our collective imaginations that we give it its own holiday. And because of that, that motherly love, if we're not careful, we come to the story from Luke and, and we'll read it through the, that lens. Mary and Elizabeth, they, they love their children because they are their children. There is this biological connection that boxes in and limits love. And if our minds get focused on that limit, on that gated path of genes and heredity, we just might miss the far more subversive message that love has everything to do with faithfulness. That's actually where the story begins. Not where I started reading, but back in, in verse 5. Back in verse 5 of Luke chapter 1, he introduces us to a man named Zechariah a priest serving in the temple. And Zechariah has a wife, and, and she is named Elizabeth. He tells us in verse 6 that they were righteous, that they were living blameless, that they were following all of the commandments and the regulations, even the really annoying ones, that they were faithful and that they were barren. This is a story that we've heard before. Throughout Scripture, there's tales of faithful people who couldn't have children, faithful women who were buried, barren, excuse me, in a society that valued offspring above everything else. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, she was barren and she conceived in her old age. Hannah was barren and she prayed fervently for a child at temple. And when God blessed her with her son Samuel, she, she dedicated him with a Nazarite dedication. He would not drink strong wine or eat grapes. He would never cut his hair. He would not defile himself by touching a dead body. It's no accident that, that these themes start being echoed in the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. They were faithful and old. They prayed fervently. And when God answered their prayers and gave a son to them, they dedicated him in the Nazarite way to follow the angel's instructions. But even though we've heard this story before, this story of, of women conceiving an old age, there's something new here. For even before the son of Elizabeth arrives, in her sixth month of pregnancy, newness breaks forth. The announcement to Mary also echoes many of the themes from the Old Testament. There, there's an angel that shows up and delivers the message, do not be afraid. Uh, there's this miraculous sign that the birth is going to happen. This is going to be a special baby. But even though there's all of these echoes from the Old Testament, there is something different here. Most of the stories in, in Scripture happen to a couple, but this one happens to, to Mary through the power of God. 
In the other birth stories, they acknowledge God, but here it is explicitly mentioned that it is the work of the Holy Spirit. While many women in this Bible who, who have these surprising pregnancies, they have prayed fervently for years for a child. Here it is wholly unexpected and unplanned. And perhaps greatest of all, most of the women in the Bible, they have a husband. Mary is betrothed but not yet married, which puts her in this very precarious position. Her fiancé has the right to stone her, to divorce her, to leave her, to cast her off. And yet with this moment, this precarious position, the angel's first word to her is declare that Mary is favored. Now, we don't really know what that means. She's certainly not the first girl to have an unplanned pregnancy outside of marriage. In fact, if you look at her, she seems to be a very ordinary Jewish girl. Some scholars put the name Mary and they associate it with the name Miriam. And then they deduce from this that, that she must have been a part of a very devout Jewish community. But then again, there's nothing really spectacular or extraordinary about naming your child Miriam. Many people share that name. But even though her situation and her context and even her name are all very ordinary, Gabriel shows up and he declares her highly favored. And we see a little bit of why she's so favored in her response. You see, Mary doesn't hesitate in her obedience. She responds in faithfulness to what the Lord asks. And her declaration of obedience, it doesn't end in, in silence or in contemplation. It ends in a powerful song, the, the Magnificat, that deeply praises God. And because of her response, she has been honored by the church. The Eastern tradition calls her the Theotokos, the, the God-bearer. The Panagia, the All-Holy One. For, for them, she is the ultimate, the supreme example of the cooperation between God and the free will of humanity. In the Roman Catholic tradition, she is venerated just below the Holy Trinity. In our own tradition, we don't seek Mary's guidance for or intercession, but we do hold her in a special place. We name her in our creedal confession as the one who forever gave birth to Christ. And we see in her life transformed by this moment when she says yes to God. Mary's faithfulness becomes a conduit of God's faithfulness. And her body becomes a means through which Emmanuel, God with us, is born. Mary's the, the focal point of this story in this text this morning. But the true message on this fourth Sunday of Advent is the faithfulness and the love of God. God is entering the world. That is why all generations are going to call her blessed, blessed, because she carries in her message, in her womb, the message that we in the world have not been forgotten. That God is breaking in. That God is faithful to humanity because God is love. That's the greatest miracle of Christmas. That we are not forgotten. And as God draws near to us in the body of Mary, all of these unexpected things start happening. 
the old and the barren start having babies. Virgins conceive. Love spills out and overflows. And in that overflowing of love, a new family is formed. Later, we see in Jesus' teaching, he ushers in this new understanding of a family. The children of God used to be based on an ancestral heritage. But Mary, though she stands within that tradition, she is not in any kind of special place within it. She is not the, the daughter of a priest. She is not in that lineage. She's a very ordinary girl. Family based on biology starts to fade away. For in Jesus Christ, our understanding of family has to do with being conceived by the Holy Spirit. It is that Holy Spirit that is the component of this new understanding. God's love for the entire world. And so God weaves together a new family born by the Holy Spirit. God broke into the world in this new and unusual way out of love because God desires to have a relationship with us. Because God is faithful to us even when we aren't faithful to God. And so God imagines more for us than we could ever imagine for ourselves. God imagines that newness, that new family, that new life, that being overshadowed by the Holy Spirit to happen to us. Sometimes we can get lost in the, the burdens. We, we can get distracted by, by the hardships, especially now. And, and we need to be reminded that God's desires for us to be made new is because of God's great love. Because God is Emmanuel. God loves us. And God chooses to walk with us where we are, even in heartache, drawing near to us and dwelling among us in the middle of it. No matter what the desires of our hearts are, no matter what our abilities are, no matter where we come from or what we've done, we remain the beloved children of God. My friends, this is the message of Advent, that God has chosen to be with us. And, and this message of God being with us is the bridge that connects Advent to the glorious celebration of Christmas. It is the bridge of our hope that we are not alone. It is the bridge of our peace in the confidence that God is with us through all circumstances. It is the bridge of our joy that in the knowledge that we are loved. And it is the bridge of love beyond measure. Not because of who we are. Not because of what we've done. But because of who God is. And since this is who God is. Since God has chosen to be with us. We can be with others. We can carry the promise of God's presence into the world to share that good news that we and the world is beloved by God. Though we will not physically bear the Christ child, I mean, that would be the ultimate Christmas surprise. We are called to this level of discipleship to obediently Follow God. We are called to bear Christ in the world just like Mary did. We are called to reveal the belovedness of humanity to the people who may not even realize they are loved. We know the hurt that they are going through and the experience in their lives. We know that others are hurting too. 
and are in need of the message that not only does God love them, but God is with them. I wonder if we don't have in our minds this idea of love as a commodity because it is something that we hold on to. When in fact, love is something that we are to give away. The old refrain is is simple and true. Jesus loves me, this I know. But within that truth is something deep and, and powerful. This abiding and radical transformational love that comes to us who are unloved and overshadows us and then makes us normal, ordinary people that we are into a new family. Though it is simple, it is something so easily forgotten. We are beloved of God. And not only us, because because we know that, that God loves us and still loves us, that God loves the whole world, that God sent Jesus to be the the present with us and in us, we are called to share that with others, to love in the midst of the ups and downs of life. For today, Christ is still Emmanuel. The Holy Spirit is still in the business of breathing life into unexpected places. The kingdom is still breaking into the earth as it is in heaven. And the Father is still choosing to use us to carry the message, to be the bearers of Christ in the world, to bring hope and peace and joy and love with us wherever we go, so that the world right might remember how beloved they are. And to join with us in this beautiful new family, being united by the very breath of the Holy Spirit. Will you join me this morning as we pray together? And now, O Lord, in the quiet of these next few days, may your Holy Spirit come upon us. May it breathe new life. And may it breathe new love. And may we, as your body, share that love generously, extravagantly to the world so desperate in need. This we ask in the very name of love, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.